Youth ministry can always use some big ideas. Ideas that are faithful to relational ministry, but also provide some crazy, fun, and life-giving resources for youth leaders, youth in leadership, and the church. Now that's religion. This is the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry Podcast. Your source for information, discussion, and feedback in youth ministry of all shapes and sizes. Now, here are your hosts, Michelle Thomas-Bush and Cliff Haddocks. Welcome to the Big Ideas Podcast, where we seek to be faithful to our ministry and for our young people. I am Cliff Haddocks, and with me is Michelle Thomas-Bush. Hey, everybody. Mm -hmm. And we have a guest. We have someone in the third chair for this episode, Michael Poulos, Associate Pastor for Youth and Mission at First Presbyterian Church in Asheville, correct? Yes. I realized from our last episode, (laughs) it was from our last episode, we used a lot of monikers like fourth prez, first prez. We forgot to say the city. (laughs) So we'll try to be a little bit better about that this episode. So uh, what's been going on for you all in ministry this week? It's been a busy week. It's the fall. So a lot of things happening, but I found that we've been having conversation about sexual harassment. So I'm looking forward to a conversation today about that. Last two weeks. The last two weeks, we've been doing a series um, using this documentary, Audrey and Daisy, and that's probably why you asked me to to be on the show with our senior highs. Yeah, absolutely. We to 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 to, to wade into this slowly. Uh, of course, last week we we had the uh, hashtag Me Too campaign that I I really don't know who started it. I know it just it just kind of organically was showing up in my. Um, in my Facebook feed, kind of as a response to the, the the Harvey Weinstein and and all of these things starting to come to to fruition, um, and it it was kind of humbling and powerful to see so many people sharing what uh, had happened and how they were you know working toward processing it, and it it is we realized we needed to talk about this because our youth are going to be talking about this definitely. Cliff, you're right that this was something. I think that was really raw and real in our society. One of the real life issues that need to be talked about. And this is where social media actually does something well and binds people together in a community to share their story. Michael, did y'all touch base on the Me Too uh, campaign or did you, were your youth aware of it? Um, they were aware of it, but we, we did not, um, we did not uh, go into it too much. Um, we, um, we had been doing, uh, a, a two part series on during our regular youth group night, um, looking at this, uh, documentary that's on Netflix, um, Audrey and Daisy, which has been out for about a year. And, um, it deals with, um, sexual harassment, suicide, um, social media's role in all of this. And, um, it was mainly cause we were just trying to to, to fit this um, kind of large discussion into two regular youth group nights that I didn't, um, I didn't uh, segue into the, the me too stuff. Um, well, there's so many aspects of sexual harassment. You can talk about consent. You can talk about uh, responsibility of the church. You can talk about um, sexuality. You could talk about dating there. There's so many different pieces of it that, I can't believe, you know, just two weeks will take care of it at the church, but we're only going to do one week. The thing that, that I'm excited about is that there's, there's 
three um, three churches in our area, Black Mountain Pres and Grace Covenant Pres. And about six months ago, we decided we wanted to do a high school sexuality retreat. And um, so all three of our youth groups are, are watching at different times this documentary. And we're coming together in December and um, to have a, a day-long sexuality retreat. And the more we've gotten into it, it's the more I think we're going to be focusing on healthy relationships and Great. what does it mean? To, what does it mean to be made in God's image? Um, but we're not going to get into a lot of the biology, um, but more about what does a healthy relationship look like. And um, we, I know, on on my own, I would not be attempting to to do this, but coming together and collaborating with these other faith communities and bringing our senior highs together to say this is this is an important thing that we need to talk about um, is what I'm excited about. We're, it's much better done in community because then you have other voices who support you. They have other adults who they can go to. I love that you're doing this um, for high school kids. A lot of churches do the fifth grade faith in sexuality or middle school. But you're right. When we come to high school, we need to talk about healthy relationships and dating and how to interact with one another as people of faith. Yes. Let's go to talk about the documentary for a minute. Um, okay. Cliff. Do you have you seen a little bit of this or know about the history of this documentary? This is this is an area in which I have not. So this is where I, I, I'm glad that we have Michael on to, to to crack this open for me because I've I've heard it mentioned and I've I've heard the interest about it, but I have not watched it myself. So give me the give me the elevator pitch. Yeah, I think you're like most people, Cliff. That this kind of came out of nowhere, and it is exactly what we needed to be watching in the church. Um, I think it's one of the most intimate glimpses into the life of young people. What, how have your youth or adults responded, Michael? Um, I mean, it's powerful and it's, it's, it can be overwhelming because it's, it's dealing with um, sort of worst case scenarios where, um, uh, you know, teenagers um, are, um, you know, abusing alcohol and, and other drugs and, um, then are sexually assaulted and uh, social media um, takes, you know, takes a, takes a big role in, in shaming and um, blowing this up at school. And uh, in one case, one of the girls um, commits suicide and then they follow another girl who, who um, really struggles for years. And it, the, it, part of the documentary follows the, the, the guys who, um, who eventually um, are, they plead guilty, but um, in a lot of ways they get off with a lot of this, but their voice is part of the documentary. So um, it, it shows, you know, there's, there's hope in it, but there, there's a lot of um, hard reality. And, I think um, it, it, it is very hard to watch, but I realized when I was watching the accounts of, uh, Cliff, they named the two boys, John D. and John R., just so that it was a generic name. But mm. when the two boys shared, they, you're, Michael, you're right, they did take responsibility, but I think they also didn't. Uh, they didn't see the repercussions their actions could have. And I think that's one of the things that came out to me is, do our young people even know what sexual harassment is? 
when the Me Too campaign came out, I saw all of those women commenting um, and sharing some of their stories. And I had to go back and look and say, okay, what is it? You know, is it's touched without permission. It's, you know, uh, insulted and sexualized words. It's assaulted. What are some of the, the list of that? Because I think the boys, John D and John R thought taking pictures, writing words on this young girl was not sexual harassment. That's right. It, it really gives um, a glimpse into sort of uh, patriarchy's um, mindset of how so much can be excused by just saying, well, this is just the way things are or blaming mm-hmm. the victims. And uh, the, you know, the tough thing about these things, these two stories, Audrey and Daisy, is that the, you know, alcohol plays a role in it. And um, you can, you know, it, it, it looks at, um, you know, what happens when, when uh, bad decisions are made around substance abuse um, and it raises the whole question of consent and um Definitely. it's it's powerful and it's um you know it's you know, it's a little bit dated i mean because it's these events happened i think in 2012 um and social media has evolved but um but i didn't think it was that dated you're right in that it was dated because snapchat they were talking more about facebook and the comments online texting right. but but the stories if you or just hearing the stories, it could have happened yesterday. Yes. And unfortunately, uh, the the defense of, um, oh, boys will be boys, all of that, well, they shouldn't have been, those girls shouldn't have been blank. That's, that's whether the technology moves, shifts, gets more advanced, whatever, those feelings are constant and ongoing. And, you know, we had a discussion in one of my adult Bible study classes and the older women of the group commenting on, well, what was she wearing or what was she shouldn't have been drinking at that party? And it's like, because they were always raised, you be a good girl and nothing bad will happen to you, quote unquote. And that feeling that that's that 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 you know we we why aren't we addressing the fact that there's a predatory attitude going on here let's just you know let's just make certain that the girls don't do anything wrong Absolutely. and realizing well first of all it's not just girls who are victimized second of all that it's a lot more complex than that and third of all let's not let's not shame someone who's had something bad happen to them to the point that they never recover you're exactly right. There's, I think we have to figure out how do we respond and teach people how do we respond in these situations that your first thought cannot be questions about the event because it's not your story. And so you, as people of faith, we sit with people in their pain. That's what you do first. You listen, you love them. They are beloved. We don't uh, begin to make excuses or ask questions or invalidate their experience. Their story is their story. Michael, how did your youth respond to the documentary? Um, you know, it was, it was tough, tough to watch. Um, and as you know, some of the kids, the kids and particularly in my group are, um, you know, are don't always verbalize what they're feeling. But in 
Um, in terms of, of how it impacted them, is I really think I think it has. Um, I think part of youth ministry is to try, try and create these safe places where we can um, have tough conversations or have conversations or talk talk about topics that that the kids aren't going to be able to to do in the presence of adults. And we one one of our one of the adults who's not a regular youth advisor, but just someone who knows and loves the kids is a, is a counselor and a therapist. And she came in to, um, to help facilitate and just bringing her in as a resource. Um, you know, the, the conversation, I think the kids you know, took it in and were processing a lot of it. And so there wasn't a lot of, a lot of discussion. Um, but, having connecting them to this resource um this counselor who who um who was there with them is important just always getting getting another getting these caring adults who are not right. parents in the in the room is important um the more adults the better in their life we all know yeah. i think that's that's a great concept continue to put them in different adults in their life especially counselors yeah. too so that they know if you do need to talk to somebody Here's a counselor in our church. Here's somebody who can guide you to the right professional who can get you the help you need. And especially in this area, sometimes just a parent in the room changes the ethos of this type of conversation and will cause certain kids to pull back because I can't talk about this in front of my parents. You know, I, one of my best friends in the world, I mean, it's slightly different, but his mother was the health teacher at his <laughs> high school. And he was like, let me tell you, that made, that made sex ed fun when my mom's up front talking about this stuff. It just it made him want to sink into the floor. And he certainly didn't in, in, engage in conversation. But in this area as well, you know, if if someone's struggling with something, if your parent is in the room, are they going to be more inclined or less inclined to be honest? And... I would guess less, but, you know, that's just me. It depends on who the parents are, I think, too, Cliff. You're right that that's true. some parents, yes, um, but sometimes you have them in the room enough that the kids begin to see uh, how other young people see their parents and the need for adults in their life. And so they can kind of distance themselves from their parents. Um, but... You have to have the right adult who's not like, you all need to do this. Right. You all need to hear this. Mm. And I think our role as youth leaders are is to know who who the adults are that should be brought into the room and who, who are not. And one thing I do want to say is um, to, to maybe encourage others to um, to to possibly show this film for their for their senior highs. And it's it's definitely a senior high and older type thing is. Um, Online, there's some really great resources for discussion. Um, you know, there, it's a great. Michael, is that at, online at AudreyAndDaisy.com? Yeah, and um, you know, with with Netflix, parents can preview it at home. They can watch it at home. Um, um, you could have a separate parent showing. I mean, you could watch this parents and youth together. There's there's not one right way to do it. It all has to do with knowing your context and what works. Um, but, you know, the value of, you know, we had, a, a, you know, over two youth groups, you know, we sh we touched on a lot of things. And, you know, it's it, the um, the issue of substance abuse or sexting and all of these things. You can you can address these things without having to um, 
to to necessarily give a lecture on the dangers because it it's so you know it, it's it's there and it, I I can't say enough that um, about the resource of um, of just having having a film that has discussion guides and other things around it that that you can um, you can right. you can use and and of course it's our responsibility as faith leaders to talk about what how does our faith relate to this what what does this what is this calling us to do and and how as disciples of Christ are we to be part of part of this world where um, things like this happen um, every day in the church we have to be the voice that says things have to be different and we we as adults have let a lot of things slide over the years and so we have to come back and say you know we've made some mistakes here and as people of faith let's be different and we want to give you the tools so that you can use your voice boldly and stand up for things that are wrong in this world i wanted to show this with uh, my young people and was a little hesitant about how to go about doing it but you raised some good points that maybe showing it to the parents or giving it to them ahead of time and i do think i think my parents uh would jump on this and show it to the young people even before youth group but i think that's okay too because if a young person sees it twice that they will see something different um right each time you watch pieces of it you will see something new so i was a little worried and because in youth ministry, we want to do something new and different. And we have it, you know, this is the first thing, you know, uh, first time you've seen it. But pulling the parents in is more important than than being than shocking the young people. Um, the other thing that I think that we have to be cautious of in this is the reality that we don't know what damage has already occurred within our own communities. You know, we don't know, you know, the whole thing with the hashtag me too. One of the things that hit me like a, like a freight train was one of the, one of the women I knew commented and said, as hard as this is, keep in mind, these are only the things we can stomach telling you about. Exactly. And, and, and we don't know what's occurred within our youth groups. I mean, I've, you know, I, I'm of course not going to tell the tales, but I am I am going to say that in my time in youth ministry, I have had some heartbreaking stories brought to me, and you know, and the important thing is be prepared that if you're going to cover this topic, these things may be unearthed, and some people are going to be in some sensitive spaces, and this is going to require some good pastoral care listening skills. Absolutely. I think you're right. I think we have to create that space for that and not be afraid of what we'll stumble into. I think sometimes we're afraid to talk about this because we're thinking back on what did I do wrong? Where did I mess up? If we talk about this, is something going to be unearthed that, you know, I allowed something to happen along the way? Or as parents, they're thinking or young people are thinking, Maybe I've sexually harassed somebody and I don't know it and I'm afraid to hear that. But we have to give that space because we do believe in forgiveness and grace. We have to touch on the issues. We have to talk about these subjects that are hard, especially when one out of four or five young women are sexually harassed or assaulted um, by the time they get to college. Those, Whatever that statistic is, uh, because every every research center says something different, 
it, the number is alarming. And that's the bottom line. It doesn't matter what the statistic is. The bottom line is sexual harassment, sexual assault happens. And Michael, to go back to what you originally said, we have to help our young people know how to have healthy relationships. And that's a that's a role of the church. Right. And the what you know, this conversation has made me realize that for me, a next step is, you know, we've we've dealt with sort of these worst case scenarios, these tragic things that happen, the suicide, the you know, the 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 awful um, assaults. But it almost it makes me want to go back to um, instead of just leaving it there and say, well, those worst case things won't happen to me. Let's talk about mm-hmm. things um, like the 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 um you know the the you know the pinch from behind the the sexual joke the the uncomfortable rubbing up against someone those those things um that or when you go to a youth conference and there are you know a thousand young people and half of them are girls and half are boys and the first thought is yeah here we go uh, here i'm in the right place it should stop right there right. because right those thousand young people are not just bodies, but they are children of God. And if we could teach our young people how to stand up or even prepare others who enter into that space um, to say, I remember a young person, she's in college now having a conversation with our youth. And she said, can I have a few words uh, before we were at the Montreat Youth Conference, a conference where there are 1,200 young people and we go a day early to help our young people get prepared. And she said, can I have a few minutes? And I didn't know what she was going to say, but she gave them a lecture about how we're not, we're not here to form relationships that are intimate just to benefit ourselves. We're here to have a relationship with God first and then to meet other people of faith second to help us grow in our faith. There are people who are here that you might be attracted to, but that cannot be your first connection with them. Your first connection has to be your relationship with God. And here are people who can I can be intimate with by sharing the story of my life and my faith. And that intimacy will fuel and feed my soul in a way that something you know, physical may not. And she gave that speech and it did not come for me. Mm. And it was powerful. Um, so I try to get our young people to own that over and over again so that they know even before a week like that starts or even before a school year starts, what's our responsibility as people of faith when it comes to being in relationship with somebody that we're sexually attracted to of any gender. That's really helpful, Michelle. Thank you. Well, thank you for this conversation. Um, is there anything else that is helpful that we could share with um, other youth leaders or adults about talking about sexual harassment or consent or healthy relationships in the church? Any resources that you found, Cliff or Michael? The um, the the resource um, over the years that I've turned to for not just for youth ministry but for for all things related to healthy boundaries is the Faith Trust Institute. Um, that Marie Fortune started years ago, and wow, um, they they have an old, they have an older um, curriculum about healthy relationships for teens, and it, and it's probably about ten years old. Um, but there's some basic 
there's some really good principles in there about healthy um, boundaries and uh, how to how to respect each other as people of faith. And um, that's great. That's a great resource. And I think um, going going back to the collaboration thing is is pulling in others, whether they're the counselors in your congregation or other youth leaders, and and um, collaborating is often. Um, is 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 helpful to, to to instead of just saying what can I do with my youth on Sunday night, but how can I how can I work with others? Um, I for me it it's not so much a resource, but it's an attitude that I I have adopted, which is I have been part of some mistakes. Yes, I have been part of some unhealthy situations in the past um, where we did not know better, and now we know better, and we need to not repeat them. Um, I can remember being parts of at camp and going, Hey, we've had a hard day. Let's all give each other a back, back, a shoulder rub and not even thinking, you know, that that's creating bad space. That's creating awkward space. Um, you know, I, I grew up as a, as a person who always was trying to make jokes and there's jokes that are not appropriate. And we need to say, you know what? We made mistakes, not say, oh, people just can't take a joke anymore. No, we have learned better. Well, and also it may come out because Cliff, if you are a jokester, sometimes things just come out and you think that was really inappropriate. Should not yeah. have said that. And we need to apologize when we do that. We need to make amends when we do that. We right. need to correct behaviors when we do that because we are modeling. We are absolutely modeling. And especially if we're in the in the leadership capacity of a youth group, if we make it okay, it will be okay for everybody else. And yeah. Yeah, definitely has to not right. <laughs> has, definitely cannot have a do as I say, not as I do situation, uh, especially in these areas. In the Audrey and Daisy documentary, one question they asked of the young people was, when is the moment when things crossed over? When when you knew is th that line was there and you knew I've crossed over it. And I think we may be talking about that on a simpler format of joking with each other, but you have to practice that before you get in a situation where there's alcohol involved. You have mm. to practice that on a day-to-day, -day, like I have crossed over because I said something inappropriate. I used language I shouldn't have used. I looked at somebody in a way that m you didn't know this, but I may have looked at you a in a way that was wrong. And I need to apologize for that because you may have seen that and felt that. Um, and we, we know that moment when we've crossed over, we have to teach the young people where that moment is so that they can recognize it and, and not go too far over that line. Thank y'all for this. This has been helpful discussion. I think Thank it, you. Absolutely. it's discussion. We need to continue in the church. It, it is definitely one of the big ideas that we have to address. Uh, talking about healthy relationships, sexual harassment, consent, even healthy dating um, with our young people. I, you know, it's it's funny you bring that up because I can remember numerous times that I have in my time in youth ministry and people say, how are things going in your youth group? Oh, they're going great. Any challenges? I said, well, none of them are dating, so that's good. You know, and, and even though that was kind of a joke, I, I, I will admit that at times when I've had youth group members dating, that it was an extra level of anxiety that I did not enjoy especially on trips, especially traveling. 
um, having to keep an extra eye, you know, on, on both of them, not to be like, Hey, you fella, don't you try nothing, you know, but just being like, okay, are they maintaining safe boundaries? Are they making certain that they aren't in positions that they shouldn't be in terms of isolation from the group and exactly. that type of thing? And, and, and have you all had like a policy or anything that like, if two youth group members are dating that you do anything different or what? Michael, what about you? Well, I, I, I can relate to that. Um, often the relationships don't end, don't end well. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. And we, um, we have a, we have a policy, no dating in the youth group and the kids joke about it. Um, and yeah. Anybody who knows me, I've shared that over and over again, but it's an unwritten rule because of this, but mostly because I want them to have opportunities to become intimate without the threat or worry or assumption that something might happen. So, you know, if we were having a conversation, Cliff, we could say, you know what, there is no dating in the youth group, so we can keep having this conversation and just because we've shared our lives doesn't mean we have to go and kiss yeah, or whatever's next. Um, I think, you know, when it does happen, having thinking proactively about um, how, how much PDA um, right. is acceptable in a, in a youth group setting, because some honestly, some of the, the tension comes from the other kids in the youth group who um, either are jealous or resentful that these two are you know, have a, have a something going on and, um, you know, just trying to be clear and drama. Yeah. And mm. Being clear as a leader, what, what is acceptable, um, is holding hands acceptable if, you know, how, how, how much contact in the group setting. And, um, we know that there are friendships that are formed in youth groups where people w do and will get married. And, and it, it is a beautiful thing, um, later. Exactly. Um, but, <laughs> um, you know, one of the things you talked about, the breakup is hard, too. And we've all had that where somebody breaks up and it's awkward. And so we've always joked around that you have to come to three sessions of counseling if you break up because, you know, you have to come to church next Sunday. So if you break up, you have to come to counseling with me so that we can work through any hardships and then you can be at church on Sunday. That happens occasionally, um, but I think, Michael, your point of starting on the front end and saying, okay, here's what's acceptable. You know, you're going to be together in our youth group, and holding hands is acceptable. You know, we don't lounge on each other. We don't, you know, I, I want you to interact. You're dating all the time, so or you're seeing each other all the time. So when you're in, on the bus traveling somewhere, sit with different people. Interact yeah. and have friendships with different people. And those are conversations you could have from the beginning right. that would make any end of a relationship helpful and healthy. Okay. What about, and I've talked about this before, about mistakes we have made or things we had to rethink. What about just in terms of how our youth interact in an average youth group meeting? What about games that we maybe should retire? What about those types of things because of areas of consent, closeness, intimacy that we maybe should have to rethink? Yeah, you, I loved playing that game. I think it was called Point, and you had to like grab onto somebody. They sat right in between your legs, and you grabbed onto them and wrestled them to the ground before they got to the center person who pointed at them. Uh, we would never play that game today. Um, mm. And 
there was that interesting dis discussion on the the big ideas um, group met whatever that is the Facebook group page. yeah Facebook group <laughs> whatever that group is about sardines and that was that was very interesting where some churches are saying you know because of because of safety issues and privacy issues and boundary and sardines issues. is where one person goes and hides and then the first everybody else goes and hides with them um, so what's the you know, if you have one person hiding and then the second yeah. person goes to hide, there are some issues there. And and yeah. yeah, especially when you're just the first, just the two of them are alone before anyone else has joined. Yes, there's definite. Issues. And most of the time, we don't have two adults who could be there with them hiding from the beginning. Yeah, right. And it was interesting to hear the conversation there about um, showing that there's not one way to do it. That you can you can with intention and and um, and care, think about how can we make this this type of game work? How can we do a different type of game? You know, what's what's really at stake here? Because um, I know kids, they love they love that type of exploring in the church building. And there's there's not a absolutely that's there's the best not part. a yeah you know a one size fits all. Um, but thinking through the games and the rules and recreating them. We have permission to do that, knowing that these are big mm -hmm. issues in our in our life, and we have to recreate. And it doesn't mean you throw out this game. We just sit down, and Michael, that's where colleagues are helpful to say, okay, let's throw out sardines. And and the Big Ideas Facebook group is a great place to do that. Throw out the game sardines, and then we can all put our two cents in um, and see where yeah. we go with that. I remember at the first Blaze conference. Um, that one of the thing, opening night activities was the adults got to play sardines in uh, Anderson Auditorium. It was kind of like everyone's dream to play it there and the adults. And But still, even then, you think about it, it's like, these are strangers you've never met before. That's exactly right. <laughs> and we're adults, but and that happens too. Uh, you know, yeah. sexual harassment among young people and youth ministry people, we, we have to hold each other accountable too. And I think mm. that's a great... Uh, we we are people of faith, and we have to as as strong men and strong women of faith. We have to use the voices that God gave us to speak out against things that are unjust and unhealthy. And but that doesn't mean we still can't play and have fun and be the people of God that God created us to be. Well, one of your youth didn't they uh, have a chance to have a conversation with John Turnbull about all this stuff? Exactly, John gives some conversation tips or some pieces about how we can talk about sexual harassment in youth group. And I'm grateful for this. This is Zach Klein. This is Zach Klein. I am a high school freshman and I'm with John Turnbull to see if he has some big ideas for youth group. When it comes to consent or sexual harassment, how do we even talk about that in church? Zach, thank you, man. That's a great question. Um, you know, these are topics that shouldn't necessarily be difficult to talk about, but we've struggled um, doing this recently. I think when we have difficult topics and topics that raise raise the alerts and mm -hmm. ring the alarms, I think what we need to focus on is that these are going to be awkward. This conversation may not make be uncomfortable, and we need to be okay with that mm -hmm. and say, you know, this is what we're going to talk about, and maybe show a YouTube clip. I don't know if you've seen the consent is like a cup of tea. Yeah, no, video, I love that video. But maybe opening with something like that and um, 
to begin the discussion and then being okay if you're sitting in silence for a little bit. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. I'm just going to piggyback on that real quick. That I think we should show that not only to the youth, but to everybody in the church. Um, just because it's one thing to talk to kids, but adults can still um, not give consent or and can still sexually harass someone. But have you seen the recent survey, uh, a recent Harvard survey that said 66% of males and 51% of females would not say anything if they overheard a male friend saying something sexual about a woman. Where do you start to educate us about how to respond? Oof. Oh, man. I think, uh, you know, I think that goes along with those difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. And um, first of all, just making sure, ensuring that your church, your youth group um, is a space that is safe, Mm -hmm. is a space that... um, is confidential and is a place and is a place in which uh, there is no topic that is unwelcomed. Um, we are people of faith, and therefore everything we experience is through a lens of faith. And mm-hmm. so, if we if we expect if we expect certain topics to be talked about at church and certain topics mm-hmm. to be uh, left for another venue, I think that's being unfaithful to who we are. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, I think creating the um, the safe zone um, mm-hmm. around your church, and then also um, letting people know and continuing to let people know that they need that we need to be a community that looks out for each other and loves yeah. each other, and mm-hmm. a way we can love each other well is by um, noticing when our people are, have been hurt mm-hmm. and when our people um need support yeah and so, uh, sorry um i believe there's a bible verse that says what's done to the lowest is done to me uh and i think that is might not be the right words but it's the like you know theme of it but i think we just need to incorporate that into our everyday where you treat um jesus like a piece of dirt, make them feel worthless. And if you wouldn't, then you shouldn't do it to just some random girl walking on the street that you cat call at or something just as simple as that, you know? It's a very um, good point mm-hmm. that you just made, especially I think um, pointing out that what some people might think of just a, um, think of as a harmless, um, a harmless compliment can really make somebody feel like they're worthless. Mm-hmm. And the damage that is done when that happens is um, is great. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know that one half the students in the se- in seven in grades seven through twelve reported experiencing sexual harassment in the previous year? I did not know that. That um, that's alarming. Um, yeah. I think that goes along with how we, uh, with giving us more of an impetus to educate our young people. I agree. Um, I just think we need to bring this issue to speak up and really tell everybody about it and get people's stories out there. I think we learn a lot by what people's experiences are. And I think if we make people notice that this stuff is not okay, then we can really help 
make a change. Uh, thank you, John, for coming out. It is good to see you again. Uh, great talk today. Thanks, Zach. Cliff, let's end with some discussion about uh, the Gospel of John when Jesus met the okay. woman at the well. This reminds mm-hmm. oh, me. I love, I love this text. I love this text. This is a great story of Jesus crossing boundaries. And I think we've lifted this passage up over and over about uh, the woman's sin. Um, gosh, I can't even think about what we've preached about. Uh, oh, we and 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 it's it's funny that you know I'm I'm in part of a preaching group with a number of pastors um, where we get together every year in January uh, from across the country and we dive deep and do all these texts for the whole year in the lectionary and I actually got John four as my oh, assignment for last year, so I dove really deep and something that happened. I noticed because what I did first was I I do a Monday evening Bible study here at my church with that's on what I'm going to be preaching on in the following weeks. It's roundtable pulpit. And when I, I brought this one in as kind of a lab to say, okay, let's discuss this text. Everybody wanted like all the everyone gravitated toward. Well, would you please explain the the husbands that aren't hers? You know, like like that was all they wanted to focus on. They wanted to focus on her sin. They wanted to get at that. Right. And um, and the funny thing was, I, I brought that up as part of my discussion when I got together with my pastor uh, colleagues, and everybody said, "That's not even the point of the text." And I said, "I know." I know, but uh, I'm bringing you this because this is what they gravitated exactly. towards. Everybody wanted to gravitate toward the sin of what she did. That's and, natural, um, though. I think we've been taught that over natural. the years. Yeah. So where but did one you the, go with the, it, Cliff, in your sermon? Well, one of the where I ended up going is the fact that there's lots of ways that she could have had that many husbands that ha- that are none of which are her fault. First of all, You're right? I said she. They could, she could have been a widower five times. We don't know that. It just says. We don't know. So if, why don't we. And if she was divorced, it wasn't her choice. She didn't have a say exactly. in that. In that, exactly. In that day and age. So let's, let's get our mind off of trying to fixate on what she did wrong and fixate on the fact that Jesus is welcoming her back no matter what happened. That, that, that Jesus is looking to form community and prevent her from having to. It, even though I, I did a bit of back and forth with darkness and light okay. in that she's out there in the middle of the day because the heat is oppressive and no one else wants yeah. to be there for her. So she's literally trapped in the dark in the light. Yeah. She's isolated in, in this bright, shining light. And Jesus kind of pushes into that space and is like, I'm willing to journey with you, talk with you. Uh, be part of community with you, even though you don't want that because you've been hurt right. so badly. And that was where I that was kind of my springboard point, and also kind of a chance for us to examine why do we gravitate toward the sin? Why do we gravitate toward the scandal? Why do we gravitate toward how can we point the finger at? That's this almost woman what happens online figure, when people jump on the bandwagon. Exactly. Exactly. I I don't know what happened here, but I'm sure she played a part. Well, what do you mean? You have no idea. You're you're from outside. I mean, that's the case of the, the scripture does does not even begin to tell us what Jesus knows, because she said Jesus knows everything that I ever did. But 
we don't. We no. don't get that through scripture. That's left out for us. That's left hanging out. Well, there. I think too, just we can back up and just the fact that Jesus entered the space where she was was helpful. Mm-hmm. Here was a woman who may have been looked at, you know, the way we've looked at her for years by the people in her in her community and Jesus entered that space and validated that she was a person, that she had a story, that she was worthy, um and that she was enough and I think we could start with that and say that that's what we're called to do is to be with people and, and just sit with them in their pain and their story without, and I think that means we need to check our assumptions because our assumptions Mm -hmm. about everything in life uh, play a role with how we respond to others. And so if we check our assumptions, then we can be present with people and, and if we're to follow Jesus, that's what he did with this woman was just be present. He took notice of her, he saw her, and he spoke to her. That's mm. powerful. The world the world needs more sitting around the wells and listening. Yes. You yes. know, the, the world the world does not need <laughs> men of the world do not need to be defending themselves in the face of me too, which unfortunately I've seen a lot of. I've seen a lot of, but I'm a nice guy. I've seen a lot of, well, I guess that I'm not allowed to talk to women anymore. And it's like, well, you're not allowed to talk to women a certain way anymore. Yeah. No, that, that's the case. That, if that's exactly. the only way you know how to talk to a woman, then then I'm, I'm sorry. And we can help but, you with that. You know, we can help you exactly. relearn and reframe and rethink how you function and live in this world. Um, yeah. Cliff, I want to end with uh, something I learned through some mindfulness training that there's a process called stop. It's really simple, um, but it uses STOP to have us think in any situation, whether you are an adult, whether your youth is, you you stop first. Stop what you're doing. Observe. First, you take a few breaths. That's the T. Stop. Take a few deep breaths. Observe your experience, What what's going on around you. And then you proceed with something that will be done in love. I think that's that's a helpful process to say in any situation where you are, if you feel like you are crossing the line or you this is the moment when things are different or we're in a culture that things are changing, stop for a minute, put things down, take a few deep breaths, observe your experience just as it is without judgment and then proceed in love. Stop. Just using those letters. And I think that can be helpful for all of us as we think about how we go through this new world that we're living in. Well, that'll about wrap it up for us this week. Uh, as you can see, if you're commenting on uh, or posting things on the Big Ideas of Youth Ministry Facebook group, it might become part of our conversation. So feel free to throw some things out there. Feel free to contact us directly. You can uh, reach me at revengeek at gmail.com and also at revengeek on Twitter. Michelle, where can they find you? You can reach me at revmtb at aol.com or on Facebook at Michelle Thomas Bush. I'm also on Twitter at revmtb. This has been the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry podcast. Join us in the Big Ideas in Youth Ministry Facebook group to be part of the ongoing conversation.